Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey, everybody. Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 89. So I've been blaring away on my Facebook Lives, asking for podcast episode ideas, or actually ideas of where do I go in the future with this, as these next couple of episodes sort of wrap up the last of the thousand tiny steps in the beginning of the end of Molly. Someone suggested gratitude. So in my Facebook Live today, which is April 29th as I'm recording, I talked about how gratitude makes me snarky sometimes. Like maybe I don't want to be grateful. And so somebody sent me, a friend of mine, Deanna, sent me a quote that came up in one of her daily quotes. And I loved it. It says, and it's by Elder Dieter F. Uchdorf. So he must be an elder in a church. I don't know what religion or anything like that. I don't believe the Lord expects us to be less thankful in times of trial than in times of abundance and ease. In fact, most of the scriptural references do not speak of gratitude for things but rather suggest an overall spirit or attitude of gratitude. The attitude of gratitude is a big AA sort of slogan. Could I suggest that we see gratitude as a disposition, a way of life that stands independent of our current situation? In other words, I'm suggesting that instead of being thankful for things, we focus on being thankful in our circumstances, whatever they may be. So what I like about that is, regardless of what's going on in your life, you can be an optimist or a pessimist a kind person or a mean person. We don't always have to respond to what's happening with emotions or feelings that define who we are. So does that mean you don't cry when somebody dies? No, of course not. That's not it at all. But it's basically saying, don't try to be super grateful for things if you don't feel like you have anything. Just have an attitude of gratitude. Just in general, approach your day in a spirit of gratitude. That I can manage because I sort of think I've always done that anyway. I remember when I was in therapy after Molly died and Elizabeth, my therapist, when I told her my whole story, all the abuse and the, the lack of boundaries and my bio dad treating my abuser, you know, like all these different, you know, crazy things of my life. She looked at me and said, I don't know why you're not dead or like a drug addict under a bridge in a big city somewhere or homeless, or she just couldn't wrap her head around the fact that I managed to come through and just be okay. And when I look back on all of it, all of my life, I think in every dark moment, I've always just really wanted to be okay. I've wanted to focus on the things that were okay as opposed to the things that are bad. The only time my life has really decimated me into submission was Molly's death. And, you know, that's logical. My job loss prior to that was pretty devastating as well. It took me a long time to feel okay in my skin after that. So this attitude of gratitude. So this episode... And this season was really from the note in the backpack to the restraining order for my lamp and my pitcher and basin situation with Roy. So meeting the family to the last time I spoke to Roy or Amy or anyone. In that period of time, that's a big chunk of my life. That's 2005 when I met that family to 2021 when Roy decided <laughs> whatever he decided. So that's 17 years. That's a chunk. That's a huge chunk of time to have this type of situation going on in whatever manner it is. 
those 17 years were filled with amazing experiences. They weren't awful. They were fine. And there were times in all of those years that I was happy. You know, I remember in my early years of my friendship with Amy, I would look at her day-to-day life and I would look at my day-to-day life and I would have such gratitude for how my life was, how Kenny and I worked together and how we raised our kids and what we did for Gracie and Molly. And without going into overarching details about the life she provided for her family, it made me very, very grateful that I was who I was and that even though we shared similar childhoods, according to her, she had a very abusive childhood. I feel that my life is much more normal, believe it or not, and happy than hers. And, and I think that's because in general, I don't wake up planning my revenge or how can I screw someone over or how can I get even or how do I fight for justice? That isn't how I am. It's more how can I find meaning and make meaning and how can I get the questions answered? It's why a medical malpractice suit was so difficult for me. That's not my nature. So anyway, the things that that I think back to from note in the backpack day to restraining order day are as follows. So when I lost my job, I had been unbelievably unhappy and didn't want to spend 30 years in one place. Now I wish I was in my 30th year of teaching. It's one of those things where you don't really know what you have until you lose it. But my job loss opened up a whole bunch of new opportunities for me. And I'm sure a number of terrific opportunities have passed me by. But I know that in those years, right after my job loss, Gracie and Molly's life became amazing because I had this connection to Flips. And of course, Flips Gymnastics and Robin are invisible in my life now. It's like they never happened. But for a handful of years, we had a day-to-day life that Gracie and Molly loved. Waking up in the morning, they couldn't wait. They couldn't wait to go to gymnastics. They couldn't wait for open gym on the weekends. They couldn't wait for sleepovers. They had birthday parties and Halloween parties. Every party they had for those years was at flips. And why not? There were bouncy houses to jump on. There was gymnastics equipment to play on. Robin's daughter, Maddie, was such a favorite of Molly's and Gracie's. She loved her. They had all of these amazing connections and they made friends there. That wouldn't have been my reality at all had I not lost my job. I wouldn't have met most of the people that I met through flips. Another piece of that time is Skye. Skye, who still works in that facility, she wouldn't have had that connection. You know, I, I look at the ways that we're connected and she came to Flips one day to see me and got offered a job and has been there ever since. It has really, really guided her life, her professional life in the world of CrossFit and Ninja instruction. Another big thing that happened because of my job loss is that I started working at VLAX. That's a, an online charter school. VLAX is a school of the future. I will say right now, when I look at things like COVID, when I look at the different ways that we can learn. Now, granted, when you're an online student, you spend a lot of time at the computer, but you can put that computer away and go outside in the middle of the day. You aren't defined by somebody else's schedule. I look at Jack and how I might educate Jack, and I'm not sure that he'll go to the Concord Public Schools. And I am such an advocate of public schools. I hate that the people that leave public schools are the the ones that can, the ones that actually have the ability to do so. Takes amazing kids out of schools. But I look at VLAX and the flexibility it allows families and the variety of classes and how it ties families and parents together. But for me, in terms of that time of my life, 2011 to 2016, when Molly died, I could work and make great money on my own schedule. I have amazing connections with students, truly fell in love with teaching again and felt that I was valued and I didn't have to hide from or be ashamed of anything. They could look beyond Chris Rath and Amy and Roy and all that happened 
and see that I was indeed a good person. So along with the VLAPs came the CrossFit. And this was all sort of 2011, getting to know Robin, joining CrossFit, starting to work at VLATs. And finally, after a decimating year of stress and trauma, I had some predictability back. It was a wonderful time. You all know all about me as a CrossFit athlete. I'm actually wearing a CrossFit sweatshirt, CrossFit Amesbury, that I think belongs to Emmy, but I love it. It's a crew neck with front pockets like a hoodie. It's like a hoodie without the hood. Anyway, CrossFit became a replacement sort of for running. And what I missed about running and coaching so much was the community. But I, I couldn't go to a road race or a cross-country meet or a track meet without the whispers and the stares. And it was it was devastating because I had really dedicated my life to protecting kids from the actual bad people. So for people to think I was one of the bad people was really hard. The biggest insult ever. But people like Gene Connolly and Chris Rath, they know how to hit. They know what will hurt and how to take someone out of the knees. That's what happened to me. So enter CrossFit, and now I'm working out in groups, and I have a coach, and we're all sort of on the same team, and I'm good at it. That was probably one of the most amazing things. And I had such empowerment with the weightlifting. The people I've met in CrossFit are too numerous to count. I coach at two CrossFit gyms now, and one of them I met through all of my grief processing and reconnecting with Roy a bit after Molly died and having these North Shore, Massachusetts connections and finding CrossFit Amesbury. And oh my gosh, I, the people I've met in that gym are too many to count. And there are people that I've met that I just feel I'm supposed to meet. For example, Yuri, whose little boy Walden is struggling with cancer right now. He's five. We connected right away. I can support her in ways that people that haven't experienced trauma just can't because it doesn't blow me away. I'm not phased by it. I'm devastated for her. But she can call me every day and cry if she needed to, and I would never tire of it because I know how it feels to wake up every day to the worst possible reality. And she's an amazing human being. And I love knowing her. You know, Gracie's dating B. I met B at CrossFit Amesbury. Whether or not they're together forever couple, it doesn't matter. She's got this fun relationship where they're both interested in CrossFit and similar things. They both love Taylor Swift. All of this because of CrossFit. One of the first people I met in CrossFit in 2011 was Jody. And Jody and her husband, Glenn, own Battle CrossFit. It's another gym that, where I'm coaching right now. A couple of days ago, I'm coaching and they have a class there for women in their 60s and 70s. And so I know one of the two women really well, never knew. Here's this nice connection. I run into people in that CrossFit gym all the time that I didn't even know did CrossFit. Amazing connections, just amazing, beautiful connections that started because I joined a CrossFit gym. I've now taken two CrossFit coaching classes, three actually, level one, level two, and the rowing. And I learn more and more about the human body and how it works and how to maintain a youthful physique and body as it ages and how we can't change aging, but we can mitigate the negative effects of aging through participation in things like CrossFit. I love it. I love it. You know, and then I have to look at Roy and I just, I truly do wish that I could rewind time and not become involved in that family for a million reasons. The hard part of making a statement like that is that from that connection and all the things that have happened to me, I know these two beautiful young people, Morgan and Teresa. While I can't really be involved in either of their lives due to the nature of Amy and Roy, I can be involved enough to just offer support and be somebody in their corner should they ever need someone in their corner. And I love watching them grow and develop and become amazing adults, amazing adults, all warm and fuzzy inside. And, you know, that gave Gracie her first best friend. We talk about her Morgan years quite a bit because 
they were important. You know, they spent a lot of time together. I also met some folks through Roy, primarily people he worked with at, at his airline that he worked at. A whole group of women that lived in a crash pad with him. Roy and all his female friends. <laughs> Makes me laugh. But Michelle, Annie, Sherry, Wendy. Wendy wasn't a flight attendant. Wendy went to high school with Roy. But I met these amazing women. And again, they live all over the country. I can't walk to any of their houses. If I drove, the closest person I think is Wendy. And she's you know eight hours away from me. But these are amazing women who are a piece of the fabric of my reality. I love knowing them. I love having them in my life. These are things that wouldn't have happened had I not entered into that relationship with that family. And of course, because of Molly's death and all that transpired afterwards, I now have Jack. And that whole process, meeting the people in the hospital in New York, the billboards and the TV commercial, the picture on the building. I've had these amazing things happen to me, not only because of the wonderful things like having Jack, but because of the terrible things like losing, losing Molly and all that I can't talk about around that process. While I have to maintain a pretty tight lip around the process of a lawsuit, that was another process that I feel sometimes like my experiences are almost like a college degree. I've talked about that. School board is not, I would never have been on a school board. I have learned so much as a school board member. I've learned so much as a CrossFit coach. I learned so much going through a lawsuit. Some things I wish I'd never learned, but when I look at the big picture of Barb, I have such gratitude for the things that I know and the people I've met and the conversations I've had during all of these experiences. I mentioned the movie Homeless to Harvard a lot because it really struck me and I watched it nine gazillion times teaching health. And that, that line by the girl, the main character, the protagonist, who was homeless and got into Harvard. And they asked her if she, if she could have anything, what would she have? And she said, I'd have my family back. I'd give it all back for my family to be alive, for my mom and dad to be alive, for everything to be okay. I'd give it all back. She just wanted her family. And there were people, I remember discussing that with my classroom, with my students. They couldn't understand why you'd want to go back to what to them was just this horrible experience. But that was her family. That was her mom and her dad. People sometimes have a hard time understanding when I say, I wish I could go back to April 2016 or November 2005 and do it all differently. Oh my God, I, I, I beg for the chance to do that. I can't, I haven't gotten to the point yet where I can stop pleading with God to turn back the clock. In my darkest moments, I still pray for these things. And people say, how can, you, how can you pray for that? Because there wouldn't be Jack. And I know, but in the mind of a grieving, traumatized person, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. You can plead with God or the universe to turn back time, while at the same time being desperately grateful and in love with your new baby. <laughs> the two things aren't mutually exclusive in my mind. Another thing that I wouldn't have done had I not actually had Jack and then gone through that traumatizing experience with Roy around my belongings and just all of the end of our connection, friendship, relationship, whatever you want to call it, is I likely wouldn't have started a podcast. I was at a point where I was just desperate. I had this new baby. I couldn't just recreate more traumatic events for this new child. I couldn't. I had to end the cycle, so to speak. And I say these words, knowing that people like Roy or Robin or Lenora or Stephanie or the list of those types of people in my life, They'll say, oh, look, she's saying it's all her fault. She's admitting she's the problem. That's not it at all. I do know that I gravitate toward people with narcissistic tendencies. I gravitate toward people who want me to help them, but don't really want to be helped. They just want to get me to help them kind of thing. 
But I realized I need to talk about my life. I need to share myself in a very open way so that A, others that have gone through what I'm going through can maybe perhaps get better or be helped by it. And B, I want the world to know about Molly and I want the world to know about Jack. And I will say in that regard, this process, this podcasting process has been unbelievably successful. I have met amazing people. I have an amazing editor who does an incredible job. (laughs) He does the best he can to guide me and keep me focused. But his insights into life are astounding sometimes. I've met other podcasters, some that, that have similar podcasts to mine and some that are very different. This week, actually, there's a podcast called the Label Free Podcast. I was on their Wednesday episode. I would not have come to know these people or know of people if it weren't for the podcast. I'm sitting in my house on a cloudy Saturday day, April day, all by myself, talking to my own face here on my computer. And this episode will, in a couple of weeks' time, be listened to by hundreds of people. It's just a phenomenal thing. These are things that are all born from utter tragedy, from heartbreak, from devastation, from a chunk of time in my life that I would love to wake up and be ahead of it so I could do it differently. I just finished listening to a quick little podcast. It was just a short number of seasons called K63. It's like a 10 episode podcast. It's like a show, but it's time travel. And one of the characters, I don't want to give it away, but I would love to wake up. I guess time travelers wake up naked. I've woken up naked before, but (laughs) not for time traveling. I would love to wake up naked somewhere random and have it be 20 years prior to all of this. I would love that. I I don't know. I think it would be interesting. Would I do the very same thing? So I wouldn't interrupt the flow of time and the continuum. And I don't know. Anyway, what I'm getting at here is meeting Amy and then meeting Roy and then getting away from both of them and then befriending Roy and then decimating my home life by trying to help Roy. And then all that went into those years of maintaining some sort of connection, a true trauma bond for both of us. He stayed with me. It wasn't just like, I tied a rope around him and locked him in a basement. And then Molly dies. And then utter devastation. And then brain tumors. So I sit here wrapping up season seven, one more episode to go. When I really look back at these 17 years that, in my mind, begin the downward spiral that led to Molly's death, that created reality in which something like that could occur. I could do another whole episode, another whole season on what I could have done different. I think all I can do is do those things differently now. Karen Kenny, who does spiritual mentoring, she's a very, very big proponent of the way that you reconcile past mistakes or the way that you absolve yourself of a past error is to never do that thing again and take it one step further and do the opposite of that thing. I have a lot to be grateful for, but like this quote says, that's not why I should feel gratitude. I should just feel gratitude all the time, even when I'm vomiting. (laughs) even when I'm crying, even when I've lost a child, even when I've caused Jack to cry because I'm leaving. How to feel grateful in those moments is a true example of how you separate your feeling of gratitude from the things that are going on around you. You're grateful regardless. So you're not more grateful when you win the lottery than you are when your house burns down. I mean, those are two opposite ends of the spectrum, but that you just exude gratitude all the time. That's kind of a cool, that just has me thinking. It has me thinking a lot. I think I'd like to employ this sort of idea to all of the things that have happened to me in my life. 
to all those chunks of time where I had tremendous growth alongside tremendous tragedy. And I think sometimes that I've always been grateful that I wouldn't be able to get back up if I didn't really feel that life was actually still worth living, regardless of what I was going through. As I deliver this podcast, I'm one day out, one day beyond the final finishing of the book, sending it off to the publisher and the acknowledgments and all that goes into writing a book, the edits, the edits, the edits, the back and forth, the cutting, the rearranging, all of it. And I'm pretty exhausted. I have to be honest, I'm utterly exhausted. But I'm really grateful. I got to work side by side with an author and publishing company. This was another another amazing experience. And I see more books ahead in my future. But I think this quote is what I'm sort of going to live by for a little while. It's interesting. I was walking with my friend Lisa yesterday. I talked about this in a Facebook Live. This is another sort of six degrees of separation Roy connection. She's involved in a group of women, some of whom know Roy. So I can't remember how it came up. It was about a year ago. We got talking about different things. And we have a lot in common. So we were talking about this very thing, gratitude. How do you feel grateful when you feel like life is terrible? And she does a very good job of finding joy and wonderful things, even in difficult things. She lives on an island, beautiful, beautiful island. All those little beachy, little teeny Cape Cod-esque, you know, little cottages that you see on the beach. It's beautiful, little teeny roads with houses packed everywhere. And we had this beautiful walk. And that was my exercise yesterday. And then I did some heavy lifting, did some deadlifting. But my point of sharing it is that I wouldn't know her. I wouldn't know her if I didn't do the podcast. If I didn't reach out when she came up into my suggested friends, she is amazing at getting groups of women together. I have met amazing people because of her. How can I not feel gratitude for these things? And these are people I would not know if my life had just sort of continued on the trajectory I thought it might. I'm alive. I had brain tumors discovered and taken out. I likely would have just kept those brain tumors right where they were. If Molly had not died and she had survived her tumor, I would have probably can just continue to medicate myself. Then maybe I would have been the one who died of a brain tumor. Maybe a brain tumor death was a part of this family story, regardless of what decisions we made. I don't know. I can have gratitude in my attitude around it, that I can ask questions and truly want the answers. So what are you grateful for? I would love more interaction with my podcasters. I want to thank those of you that reached out with messages and suggestions on other podcast episodes and topics, but I would love more interaction. I really want this podcast to continue to grow, be a good support and co-host with my book and spread the word to as many people as possible that even when life sucks, it can be awesome. All right. So be good to yourself. I'm having a beautiful, yummy cup of coffee in a Keisha and Rebecca and Molly and Gracie hot cocoa weekend sort of way. After you're good to yourself, be good to someone else. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at Barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.